Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Stafford, step it up. Going left side. Watch Calvin. And so got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, Michael Rothstein, and this episode is sponsored by Bet Online, where you can wager on more than just sports. So go and check them out. We're recording this at about 10 p.m. on Monday night, a little later than we're planning on recording most nights this week. And I'm just making you aware of that in case there are moves that aren't covered in here. But I was awake and we hadn't cut the episode yet, so we decided to record a little bit later because free agency is less than 24 hours old, or at least the negotiation period of it. And we'll start with the moves alliance made on defense late in the night, and that is signing Jamie Collins, the linebacker, to a reported three-year, $30 million deal. Collins comes from New England, which shouldn't come as a shock. But before you make the obvious Matt Patricia... Jimmy Collins connection and say, oh, they're signing another Patriot. Understand that most of this signing doesn't have as much to do with that, but has to do with Collins's production. Although let's be real here. Matt Patricia got some of Jamie Collins's best seasons out of him. So that's good news for the Lions. Collins is a linebacker who can play every spot for you. He can rush the passer seven sacks last season, which would have tied for the Lions' lead with Devon Kennard and Trey Flowers. He's a short tackler, leading New England in tackles last year. And he intercepted three passes, a career high. Consider, though, the Lions only picked off seven as a team all year. And only one linebacker last season had an interception for the Lions, Jelani Tavai. So Collins makes sense as a playmaker in the middle of the field that the Lions have been sorely missing over the past few years, really honestly since DeAndre Levy left. And Collins already knows the defense, and Patricia wouldn't bring him in if he didn't know exactly how he wanted to use him, similar to Trey Flowers last year. There are concerns, mostly that he's over 30, so there's always the possibility of his play declining. It'll be interesting to see what this means for some of Detroit's other linebackers, notably Jared Davis and Christian Jones. Does Jones become the top reserve? Does this potentially push Davis out the door after 2020? All things to consider now when it comes to this move. But Collins is a player who can make a difference, and on this defense, Detroit needs some of those. Beyond Collins, almost all the attention for the Lions on day one has been on the offensive line. Last year's starting right side of the line, Rick Wagner and Graham Glasgow are now in Green Bay and Denver. Wagner, who was cut by the Lions on Friday, remains in the division, heads back to his home state, and will see Detroit twice a year. Glasgow, who was the most coveted free agent the Lions had, will get a reported $11 million a year from the Broncos, a price that I don't think I ever could have seen the Lions paying. Detroit knew that too and made that decision when they rotated him throughout the year with Kenny Wiggins and then didn't really seem to engage much with him at all during the free agency period. Detroit, with this staff, prioritizes tackles and centers over guards and teams have to always make hard decisions somewhere. 
So knowing that, the money Glasgow got was never going to really happen in Detroit. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions still sign a guard, whether it's yesterday's podcast guest Kenny Wiggins or someone else, to compete for the open position. Heck, they might sign two guys, let Bo Benchwall and draft pick also compete, and may the best two or three guys end up on the roster with Joe Dahl, assuming Joe Dahl makes the team. Glasgow is a good, reliable player with the Lions. I didn't speak with him a ton, honestly, but... When I did, the conversations were always enjoyable. He was often honest, and when he couldn't say what he felt or thought, he would just decline to answer. From an athlete, that's all I ever ask for. Don't lie. If you don't want to or can't answer the question, just say that. We'll be back right after this with more about the Lions' other big signing, or rather agreeing to terms, on Monday. Hala Puli Vite Vitae or as he's more often known, Big V, or just Hal. And we'll have some other thoughts from around the league as well, right after this. With currently no NBA, NHL, or college basketball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Bet Online still has hundreds of places to wager, from their online casino to poker and blackjack, all open 24 hours a day and all online. Sports aren't totally done. There's still esports on the rise. If you're into entertainment, you can still bet on American Idol, the elections, the spelling bee, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. BetOnline.ag has it all. Be sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your new ticket to online action. So the Lions did open up their wallets on Monday, however, spending a reported $50 million over five years on Vitae, or Hal, or Big V. At that money, he's almost certainly going to be playing right tackle and starting at right tackle for the Lions in 2020. The Texas native comes to Detroit from Philadelphia, where he mostly backed up Jason Peters and Lane Johnson for the Eagles. He started 20 games there, mostly in 2017, and won a Super Bowl as a starter for Philly over Matt Patricia's New England Patriots. He's played left tackle and right tackle, which gives him a little bit more positional flexibility than the guy is replacing him, Rick Wagner. But still, my concern is giving him that sort of money. He hasn't really been an established starter in the league. I get the circumstances with the guys who are in front of him. They're both incredibly, incredibly talented. But you can't know how he'll truly handle the load of being a full-time starter without seeing it. And he hasn't been able to show that for years. So this move is, without question, a risk. Vitae is very good against the run. It's probably his strength at this point. So it's not surprising the Lions, who desperately want to run the ball, would look to him as a possible solution for Wagner. Against the pass, Vitae's been inconsistent, which is concerning since considering protecting Matthew Stafford has to continue to be priority number one, and the quarterback is coming off a season-ending back injury. So the concerns about Vitae are legitimate, but he's also younger and, in theory, cheaper than Wagner. So I'll be curious to see the specifics of the deal to get a gauge for this and how it'll all work. But from an on-field perspective, it's a bit of a chance of potential over production. Let's address a couple of other issues I've been asked about with this move specifically. Why sign Vitae and not keep Glasgow instead? I get it. It's a fair question, but it goes to what we were talking about earlier, which is 
They play two separate positions, and Detroit values tackle more than guard. Vitae can, in theory, play guard as well, although almost all of his work is come playing tackle. But it's different positions, hence different thoughts on money. What about Tyrell Crosby? It looked like Crosby might be in line to be the starter at right tackle, but that thought is gone unless Detroit says something with Taylor Decker that would be unexpected. The more real probability is Crosby remains as a team's swing tackle, and maybe, finally, they at least consider him at guard since there is a gaping hole there at this point. The Lions have seemed to really like Crosby, but perhaps only in his role right now as a swing tackle instead of as a player who could develop into something more. But don't forget, Detroit does have a decision to make on Taylor Decker this year and what they're going to do with him in the future as well. So if the Lions decide not to go down the long-term road with him, perhaps Crosby's starting future goes into 2021. But at this point, that's a long way off. One other move you might have missed for the Lions, I reported earlier Monday Detroit is offering an exclusive rights tender to D. Virgin. It's not much of a surprise, but it ensures Virgin will be back with Detroit next season at a low cost, provided he makes the team. He was a good special teams player for the club, so not a surprise that they would want to at least bring him back and give him a shot. There were some other moves around the league, too, that'll affect Detroit. Byron Jones to Miami for what's being reported as a little under $17 million a year is big, as is James Bradbury going to the Giants. It takes two of the, if not the top two, corners off the board that the Lions could have considered had they traded Darius Slay. Now the attention will turn to Chris Harris and Logan Ryan. But are either one of them better or much younger than Slay? No and no. Which leaves you in a dilemma if you're Bob Quinn deciding whether or not to trade your Pro Bowl cornerback. Plus there's also this. Jones's deal could complicate matters further. Slay, even though he's approaching 30, probably would want a deal similar to Jones from an average per year standpoint. And don't think that Darius Slay didn't see Byron Jones's deal because he threw out some big eye, big emoji eyes almost right after it happened on Monday night. Maybe he even wants a little bit more than what Jones got. Would the Lions give that to him? Probably not in my opinion, but I've been wrong before. But if another team won't give it to him, then Slay would appear unlikely to be going anywhere this offseason. So that's something else to contend with. Maybe at the end it doesn't matter. Maybe the Lions sign a top-end corner and trade Slay for whatever they can get. The Lions have made those moves before. Quandre Diggs, Golden Tate... And I still think there's a better chance than not that Slay ends up somewhere other than Detroit this year. But right now it's a situation that's going to be worth watching Tuesday and Wednesday to see how things shake out. Because with Jones and with Bradbury off the board, you have to think there's at least maybe a chance Slay might remain in Detroit. The Vikings brought back Kirk Cousins, so the Lions are going to see him for at least a few more years. And Jimmy Graham is changing NFC North addresses again, going from the Packers to the Bears. Kyle Van Noy, remember him? The former Lions second round pick? Well, that reunion with Detroit won't happen. He's off to Miami. But that, to me, always seemed like a long shot anyway, considering how Detroit feels about Devon Kennard. And there's some clarity, too, on how the league is going to handle free agency. It's going to still go on. But free agents can't travel to clubs, clubs can't go to free agents, and as far as physicals go, they can be done in a player's home city or some other nearby location. 
Teams will be able to access prior medical records from uh, free agents' previous team. And facilities, by the way, they're closed to players over the next two weeks unless you're getting medical treatment. So it's free agency just without all the travel. It'll be interesting to see how that changes things once the top-level players are gone from the board where more guys like to meet with coaches and meet with play, meet with staffs and get a feel for the city when maybe they have two or three offers that are pretty similar. That just won't happen. Not this year. Also, off-season team activities are not starting in April as they were scheduled to be. Uh, and the NFL and NFLPA agreed on that. Uh, they say they're going to discuss at points in the future when those might occur. Considering the COVID-19 situation in the United States at the moment, when that is, is honestly impossible to predict. And as for the draft, the league said it'll still happen. Still happen on the April 23rd to April 25th dates that it's supposed to. Just not in public. It'll be televised. At this point, that's about all we know. Which sums up so much about sports and life in general at the moment. We just don't know much. Thanks to my producer on this episode, David Woodley, and to Regents Field and Blue Wire for hosting this podcast. You can follow all the free agency happenings on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rothstein and over on ESPN.com, where I'll be updating things as we go. And one last thing. Be safe, be smart, and please wash your hands. We'll chat with you again tomorrow.